Welcome back in. It is the Bill Michaels Show, 1 o'clock on a Friday. Hope everyone is getting set for a good weekend. One of the only weekends of real summer left before football gets really up and going. The preseason for the Green Bay Packers begins tonight at 7.30. The Brewers are in action at 7 in St. Louis. A pivotal stretch here against the Cardinals. In terms of the Packers tonight against the Niners, talked a lot about the roster, talked a lot about what we're watching, how we feel about the position groups. When you talk about position battles, and we've we've given you know the specifics of many of them, if you had to say tonight, aside from Jordan Love, who is the story and how he plays will be the story coming out of it, what would you say is the most important position battle at play tonight? Well, I know what you, I know what yours are because. It's been pretty obvious how concerned you are about the offensive line. I have one sleeper that I'm going to throw in there. All right. So, the, but that that would probably be that. So I'm not. I'm not going to let. You, I'm going to let you take that one. Okay. So I'm going to say the wide the the last wide receiver spot, whether it's Juwan Winfrey, whether it's Danny Davis, whether it's Samari Toure, and I'm also going to say the outside linebacker spot because there is two jobs, two jobs guaranteed, and potentially three others up for grabs. So is it Tipagalia? Is it Jonathan Garvin? Is it Randy Ramsey? Is it Kingsley? Uh, Ign- Kingsley and Agbare. Agbare. Who get who steps up and shows there? And Darius Hamilton as well. I don't know exactly where he's at in the pecking order, but who of those guys steps up? Because you are those that third guy and perhaps even the fourth guy is going to play. And I also think it's possible, I think you mentioned this before, maybe the, the third rusher isn't actually on the roster right now. Yeah, that's something that a lot of the writers we have had on this show have said. Yeah. That when they filled out their roster projections as of uh, last week or today, that outside linebacker three or edge rusher three is to be determined not on the roster. When you think about starting positions, there's not a lot of starting positions up. for it. Like when you're talking about position battles, it's always mostly down the roster, except for offensive line. Offensive line is my number one. Edge is my number two. When I'm talking about, I, maybe this won't be direct on the field impact this season, given what they have at the top two there, but running back is up there for me. Who is the number three running back? It could be any of multiple names. And then once Kylan Hill comes back from injury, is it just automatically him or do the other guys impress Tyler Goodson, hype machine? I'm all over it. I'm excited to see him tonight. You are the Tyler Goodson hype machine there's there's not a machine out there that's hyping tyler goodson it's just you i'm a big fan but i'm I'm not i haven't seen a lot of hype around him yes uh i would agree there has not been any hype around him coming out of iowa i can say that for sure even though they might be in an interesting spot without him this season but there we all of these conversations they come back to the big 10 west you know isn't it beautiful that happens yes so the position group though i we've also talked about tight end they're up there for me special teams is one but I want to go a little more specific. I want to see what Jay Coco looks at lo- at long snapper tonight. If he's out there and well, it's I mean, a crazy in the weeds kind of thing. He's the only one they have. Rich Basachi is out there at practice long snapping. They cut Steven Wartell from last year. The guy that got bulldozed during the block punt. Does Jay Coco look like their real long snapper? Do they need to go find one? It's, it's a weird thing to watch for during a game. I'm kind of all over long snapper. It's so stupid. <laughs> that they can't find one not that you're over that one because i think it's important well we it's see, stupid that we're talking about yes it. it's extremely stupid but we all know that how important that process is that 
you know, snapper to holder to kicker, being on the same page, the process, the the operation, as they, they call it, how important that is for Mason Crosby, who's obviously not going to be out there tonight. It's gonna, I think this is one of the first preseason games he's ever missed. This might be the first preseason game he's ever missed. And he's been doing it since 2007. So they have another kicker in there, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I mean, do we... Do we care? I mean, it's, no. it's, it's going to be Mason Crosby. Gabe Burkich. Yeah, it's, it, and there has been far from rave reviews coming from his right leg. Okay. So uh, it, it just seems so simple. And maybe it's because they just had the same long snapper for like a dozen years, and they just haven't been able to find his replacement in these last few years. But it cost him last year. It's co- and it certainly played a role in the, in the, uh, the loss to San Francisco. It shouldn't be that hard to find a guy. Every other team could find a guy and, and, and hold on to a guy for an extended period of time. And yet there's only like three teams in the NFL that I think have two long snipers on their team right now. So it's not like there's going to be a flood of guys coming off teams that are all of a sudden going to be better than what you have. It's going to be very, very difficult to, I mean, I, I don't understand how, I shouldn't say it's going to be very, very difficult. I don't know how it's so difficult to find a guy that can can freaking do this. Yeah, it feels like something where, I uh, there have to be there has to be a free agent out there that played a couple years ago or I I brought this name up and I don't know whether he's good enough to be in the NFL but Adam Bay from Wisconsin he never got a shot in any camp whatsoever which surprises me he was fine he, I well he we never hear, said anything like he he did a good job he, right? he, it's not his fault that the punter dropped snaps exactly twice in big spots and the team lost both games so he, he was a highly highly regarded punter too. Adam, uh, I should say Anthony, uh, Lottie. Anthony Lottie. Yep. Oof. And now they got one of the better ones in the country who was at a division three school before, or is it, I don't even know if that was a division three schools, like upper Iowa university, whatever the heck it was. Juco maybe. Whatever it was. And now he's one of the better ones in the country. Yeah. And so, Andy Vujinovic. So yeah, my eyes are trained on Jack Coco to see what he looks like. If he looks like a real long snapper. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know what that looks like, right? Like as long as it isn't horrible, as long as like when they're punting, as long as he could block whatever guy is rushing and also deliver a good snap, then there you go. But <laughs> that's where my eyes are. Yeah, it, it is really stupid. We're having this conversation, but it's it's uh, it's warranted. So I he, feel like so I don't know if you know this or not. He lost thirty pounds during the offseason to transition, not this year, in in college at George Tech to transitioned from offensive line to tight end. Jack Coco did yes, and then. Didn't make it anywhere else, so became a long snapper. Yep. I think he was a long snapper, but he, they they at least put him at some other places. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the deals where Stephen Wartell's downfall in the playoffs, at least, was because he wasn't big enough to go one-on-one against the guy rushing. That's Motrain. I was about to say that also could be the fact he didn't have help blocking a, a 280-pound, 300-pound nose tackle going up against him. But So uh, special teams as a whole is somewhat of a focus. I mean, we're going to see a lot of backups starting on the field, and then they will also show on special teams. But when you look at the wide receivers that you mentioned, when I think about the running backs as well, when you talk about tight end or even the edge rushers, we're going to see them all on special teams as well. So if it's possible for guys to stand out, that's something. My my eyes are trained, unfortunately, on the special teams. I think they'll be good, but... You think you do? Who's going to... I think they'll be... Good means better. These days, good no good means not at least when it comes to the Packers, not horrendous. Yes, good means in the middle, slightly slightly average, slightly above average is what I think anybody would take. But just don't lose the game. The last 
three years, you could sit there and say, special teams going to cost him a game at some point. And it did. It cost him against San Francisco. The fact that they played horribly offensively also contributed to that. But if they don't get a, the punt blocked, if they don't have a field goal blocked, what are we doing? Yep. You know, uh, sitting here today, and maybe this is my brain wanting chaos, I kind of want the special teams to look like a disaster tonight in the first preseason game so then we could freak out again before it fixes itself week one. Or you can, they can play remarkably well and you can overreact to it and then they'll be absolutely horrible when the regular season starts. I would rather the first situation happen. I know what you would happen. rather have happen. Uh, the, the content, the, yeah. The chaos of it, it being bad tonight, but then being it, then it ends up being good as the season goes along. I have some confidence there. I mean, we <laughs> talked not, about names of who will decide the NFC North, and Rich Passaccia was someone I, I brought up there. It's not like he ever had, like, amazing units in, at in uh, Los, Las Vegas or anywhere else. It's like it's very... His units were not necessarily ranked in the top 10 every year. This isn't like a, a magician. You know what I mean? The Packers special teams have been horrible for a very long time. I guess I'd be shocked for it to go the other way around very, very quickly. It's one of those deals where a John Harbaugh special teams guy then rises up to be a Ravens coach, but he had terrific special teams throughout wherever he was. Uh, he was in Philly way back when the special teams yeah. guy there. And yeah, Basaccia did not have the best special teams in the league, but I guess it's the... Special teams coordinator into leadership role thing where it's not necessarily X's and O's. It's a different brand of coaching, I feel like, than a genius offensive coordinator. Like mm-hmm. Then what LaFleur is. Like They probably coach in different ways given what their strengths are. So you would hope that a guy that showed he could be a pretty good head coach, I mean, he brought them to the playoffs during that disaster, can then come in and invigorate the guys enough to be good during moments like special teams. Yeah, I mean, here's what I'll say about him. He at least they went outside to get a new guy this time instead of promoting somebody from within that was already part of a horrible unit, which which is what they did with Mo Drayton. It's what they did with uh, former Illinois coach and uh, now I am where he's at um, and whose name is now forget who's the special teams coach before uh, that guy. This is his third special teams coach, Matt Lafleur's yes. third special teams coach. Um, but I'm trying to think of Ron. Um, Ron Zook. Ron Zook was his got promoted despite being the the unit being horrible under the former guy got promoted into being the special teams coach and then they did the same thing when they fired Lafleur's Lafleur's first guy and promoted Mo Drayton in there. Mo Drayton was the assistant. Like what are, what are you doing? Why would you not just clear house and just bring in somebody new? He was part of a horrible unit. Why would you bring him up? Yeah, I, I still have this in my uh, in my repertoire as I pull up my uh, very nuanced drop board. I'm the positive Pete right now. Some of the press conference moments from from Drayton last year were quite concerning. Uh, looking back, as well as this one, I, I never. Oh, that's not a, a a real huge story. Was what he was talking about? Something not being a real huge story. Something about the special teams being bad. It just didn't make any sense. It was Matt LaFleur has not done a ton of really, really poor things as head coach, the way that they've uh, had a lot of success in the regular season, but his management of the special teams coaches, woof. Yeah, agreed. 877-867-1670. Who are you watching? Uh, the position battles tonight. I There's something we haven't gotten to yet, Zach. It happened last night. I wanted to touch on it next. It kind of took sports Twitter and everybody by storm in a way. 
There was a baseball game played in a place in Iowa that you may have heard of before at the Field of Dreams. Something they did on the broadcast. Now, I've said I obviously miss Joe Buck there doing baseball. The The broadcast was okay. I, I turned it on for a bit. The game sucked. It's the Reds and the Cubs, which I think was the biggest downfall. But they did something in the seventh inning of the game. And I'll play it for you or part of it when we come back. And we'll talk about it and the reactions because it, it took all those sports by storm. We'll talk about the game, the Field of Dreams game. Coming up next, a couple segments left. We're taking you up until 2 o'clock. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Zach Heilprin in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Bill Michaels show. Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin, 877-867-1670. If you want to get a hold of the show, I urge you to do it. The Packers playing tonight, plus two and a half. The Brewers uh, underdogs, plus 145 against the St. Louis Cardinals. Eric Lauer versus Jordan Montgomery. Talk more about that game in a little bit. So last night, Zach, the Field of Dreams game happened. Did you watch it? No. So I, I turned it on for a little bit um, more because there was nothing else happening. Uh, golf nerd stuff here, but Chambers Bay, the place of the 2015 U.S. Open. It, it was kind of destroyed after they held that U.S. Open because of the state of the course and the state of the greens. They all browned out. They lost control of it. Well, uh, the U.S. Women's Amateur is there right now. It was on Golf Channel last night. I turned it on after the Field of Dreams game, and the course looks tremendous. It's one of my favorite courses. I know you're rolling your eyes at this. I don't know what the point of the story is. Well, is, I, is I'm, I'm getting saying. there. All right. I'm getting there. Get there quicker. <laughs> so the course looked tremendous. It was green is what I would use to describe it, which is surprising given uh, Chambers Bay's history, especially on a television scale. So I was watching that. That was most of what I spent uh, <laughs> focusing on last night with nothing else on television. Mm-hmm. But the Field of Dreams game was on, and I knew that when the seventh inning came, they had a plan. They were going to do a hologram to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. The broadcast of the game is cool. They change everything up visually, graphic-wise. Uh, John Smoltz and the play-by-play guy, Joe Davis, I believe his name is, were dressed in like older garb you know, to go along with the vibe. The uniforms were cool. The game just wasn't that interesting because you have the Reds and the Cubs playing in it. Aside from that, uh, it is what it is. But the seventh inning came and they made a hologram of Harry Carey to sing, take me out to the ball game. And I was going to play the minute of him singing, but it sounds normal, you know, on radio. It's Cause that's, they took it straight off of what he sang. Yeah. It's just really, really weird. When you look at it, it's, it's weird visual, very, it's whatever 4k cameras. And this was a guy that passed away before they even had HD television, and then we're reenacting him in 4K. I guess my first impression and first thought is, when I die, can you 
I, I don't want to be made into a hologram to, to host a radio show or say anything on air. Okay. And I, you, don't I, wanna, you don't want us to play any of your best of clips? I guess that makes less sense when I say it before <laughs> thinking about it, given it's a it's an audio medium and yeah. not a visual one. Yeah. But it it was just weird. It struck me as weird. I watched. I did see that online being posted. Saw a lot of people killing it. I didn't think it was horrible. Really? No. You didn't think the the. I mean, I. I mean, I like. It was a little weird, like when they went behind him, and like he was putting the mic like that. Yeah. Was, that was a little weird because that just felt like they had like a rando up in the box doing <laughs> that because it didn't look like an older gentleman putting the the mic down for everybody to you know for everybody to hear him to I should say for everybody to sing. But overall, no, I didn't think it was as cringe as uh, apparently a lot of people did. Is it the execution you weren't a fan of, or is it the idea? Or no, that you did. I, I'm sorry. The the execution you thought was fine, or the idea also you like? The idea was fine. The execution was fine, except for the the back shot. Um, you know, the behind from from behind shot, like the the shot, like looking up into the box. I thought was fine. Um, it was a little bit too clear, just because it was obviously a hologram, like. That's not what it looked like when obviously he was doing it. Even with the greatest cameras in the world, uh, it probably wouldn't have looked like that when he was doing it. But yeah, I mean, it was fine. I would have been more okay if they did it in the 2004 standard definition camera yeah. visual. Yeah, the fact it was so HD and perfect is weird. Didn't they do the same thing with Vince Scully to start the game? I cannot confirm nor deny. We were we were did. on air when the game started, or I was driving home when okay. it was, so I missed that entirely. I thought that they did. Something with him too, uh, before the game. Yeah, but maybe like, maybe it was a speech, and maybe it wasn't the the hologram. Well, I love the idea of playing him saying it because it's a Cubs game. There, I love the idea of playing it over the speakers. I just don't like the visual component of it. It it, it just seemed kind of out of place when you're, especially the Field of Dreams is like a throwback kind of vibe. Small stands. You know, uh, they're all wearing very old, you know, traditional baseball uniforms. That's my bad. They did. Vince Scully uh, narrated it. He wasn't actually like they didn't do the whole hologram. The visual. Yeah. Yeah. Just just voiced it. And I think it was something voiced from back in the day. It was a famous Field of Dream speech from the movie itself. I think he first did it in 2016. And so they probably just pulled it straight from there. Cool stuff they did is. Uh, they spoke, uh, Kevin Costner paid tribute to Ray Liotta, who passed away recently. Yep. And they told a cool story from the movie, The Field of Dreams, that scene with Ray Liotta and John Costner when he's, uh, Kevin Costner, when he's throwing batting practice because Shoeless Joe Jackson is who Ray Liotta played. And Shoeless yeah. Joe Jackson was a lefty. Yeah. But Ray Liotta did it righty. Oh, really? and, and they had spoken to Joey Votto, who was a big fan of the game being at The Field of Dreams. Uh, and they were telling the story that Ray Liotta tried so long to develop, because he was a righty, to develop a left-handed swing for the scene, but he could not create a passable product. So they did it righty. And then when the movie came out, that was apparently a point of contention that, you know, that Shoeless Joe Jackson was a lefty. He did it righty. And Joey Votto had an awesome comment to that. He said, uh, I could, uh, Ray Liotta spent a month to learn how to hit lefty. Votto said, uh, I could spend a month to do anything except act like Ray Liotta. Yeah. No, it's, it's good. Terrific. I kind of feel like they probably just, just done it like a stunt guy and just not shot it, you know, just shot it from behind. 
I don't know. We're going. We're. we're I know we're going a little bit too deep into. No, this, we're but. teetering on the edge of actually evaluating baseball movies. Yeah, so which I, I said I wouldn't do, yeah, but yeah. I we're getting close. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed the movie. It's not something I would watch over and over again. Yeah, it's good. I think I've seen it maybe once or tw- I think I've probably seen it like two or three times. It's a fine movie. Yeah, I think it's good. If they want to make a hologram of anything, Moonlight Grant, make a hologram of Joe Buck calling the game. Yeah, your obsession with Joe Buck is a little scary. I just it it, it changes everything for it's me. Tradition. It's it's just what I like. There are things that I like, and I don't like when they change. You don't like change. You like tradition. Joe Buck on Fox doing football in, in the World Series. Tradition for you. For me, because it's been my entire life. Yeah, guess what? Joe Buck is... I, no longer. It's over, and it sucks. And now, I mean, Monday Night Football is now going to be a much better product because they had those bad years in there with, with the booth. I, I forget which one didn't work, but post-Gruden and Tariko, uh Was when they took uh, Dan Schulman in there. What's his name? No, it might have been Dan Schulman. Their play by Joe Tessitore. You don't like Joe Tess? I can't stand Joe Tessator. See, Joe Tess always got the, like, he was like the late night Pac-12, like yeah. Pac-12 after dark. I'm okay with that. Type of thing where it was like he was on the air at like 10 o'clock and he always had like the best games because they would always just be crazy games at the late, late on a Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah, it was probably better than college, uh, than uh, Monday Night Football. Yeah, I, I like Joe Tessator for that. I wasn't a fan of him in the booth, but I mean, the Buck Aikman booth, I have always loved. And yeah, you can poke holes in some of the things they say, which is the case for Collinsworth, all the national guys, Romo. But I, I've always liked the Buck booth. So Monday Night Football will be better. Tariko doing Sunday Night Football, I think, is terrific. Um, and then who stepped into the new Fox window? Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, yes. I believe, yeah. which I, I like them as well. It's the baseball thing that I'm a little stuck on. The NFL, you can move it around because that movement happens more often. It's the fact that for the first time since I remember watching the World Series, Joe Buck won't be calling it. I uh, got the wrong baseball guy. It was Sean McDonough. Sean McDonough was the guy. I said Dan Schulman, not Dan Schulman. Dan Schulman's fantastic. Uh, Sean McDonough was the guy um, after Tarico. Yeah, and I like him. It was it was the Joe Tessitore. Joe Tessitore, Steve Levy, and then now Joe yeah. Buck. Plus, those three-man boosts were a little weird. I love, I think Lewis Riddick is tremendous, but the, the three man booth just felt a little off. The weirdest was bringing like weird people into the booth itself. Like, why would you bring Dennis Miller in? Like, it didn't make any sense. I don't know that you're probably too young for that. I am. But, uh, or Tony Kornheiser, like you didn't, it was the height of his thing, but like he was in there for three years. There was just no need for it. They also had the, the booger mobile yep. with booger McFarlane on the field, which yep. I liked that just because it was it was weird enough to be funny where he was so clearly blocking the view of like the first four to five rows of stands. And it was kind of awkward when they would go down to him. But because it was so ridiculous, I thought that was funny. So I it's it's stable now, I, I guess, with Buck and it, it'll be enjoyable. But at the end of the day, when Joe Buck and all these guys get these unbelievable contracts to call these games, Romo was the first. We're seeing others. Brady will get one. Um, the At the end of the day, the people who pay for those massive contracts are, are going to be the fans, where ESPN Plus's price is going to rise. It, it, it's going to be more expensive to watch all these games. So I take all that kind of with a grain of salt, where it's like, oh, so cool. He got all this money to go into broadcasting when he just made hundreds of millions to play. At the end of the day, it's the consumer that pays for it. And you will. 
Oh, I definitely will because yeah. I have nothing else to do. Right. Yeah. You've. I think we've established that today. <laughs> <laughs> or this week, I should say. All right. 877-867-1670. Before the rest of my day-to-day life is scrutinized, we're going to step away, take a quick break. More to come. Ben Kenny, Zach Halpern, in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. It is the Bill Michaels Show. A couple segments left before we are out of here. You can take your call, 877-867-1670, if you want. Uh, Zach, there is an update in the, or a semi-update in the Deshaun Watson situation that you just saw. Yeah, pro football talk, Mike Florio, who is obsessed with this situation. Just, you can tell. He is, I'll give him credit quickly. Many out there, uh, page views are obviously king. They are what drive making money in the blogging business. He is the founder of page views. Yeah. And he does outwardly say, yeah, you know, we're in, like, we try to get as many page views as possible. He loved the Aaron Rodgers drama. Oh, so much. He, yes. he, he, he not posted just because, not just because, everything. Yeah, not just because he's a Vikings fan, which he is, but because... Every angle. Yes, because of, you go and look at the most viewed stories... And most commented stories, all of them were Aaron Rodgers. As a former semi-blogger, I understand where he's coming from. Yeah. So people he, people love power rankings. Right. But he he has also been heavily involved in this Deshaun Watson thing because he is a, uh, uh, well, he was a lawyer. I don't know if he still uh, practices. I guess he probably does not. But uh, he's been heavily involved in this. And um, he said just now that a settlement of the Deshaun Watson situation is not out of the question. He's told, stay tuned. I don't know what that means. I assume that means uh, some kind of an agreement between the two sides to uh, come to an understanding or, a you know, uh, between the NFL and Deshaun Watson's people. Maybe it won't be a year. Maybe it'll be 12 games. Um, maybe something like that. Well, because he's willing to because Deshaun Watson's like, I'm willing to accept eight games. Well, here's what's interesting. And pay five million. The NFL wants a year. Deshaun Watson is set to play tonight and then said yesterday, really late and immediate that he would accept eight games compared to the six. The middle ground on that is 12 and a half, I guess, because it's 17, but it's 12 games is the middle ground. Yeah. So if that is somehow true, that would be what the, I feel like the settlement would, would fall to, which I mean, the timing works out because of what we've talked about, because he could be starting tonight and that's not what the NFL wants by any means. So yeah, if, if they just want to settle to get him suspended and have him not play, it feels like that eight number would be significant in the grand scheme of the full season being 17. So that number one, Deshaun Watson would be able to play this year. Uh, whatever. Good for him. I wish he didn't play. And for the NFL, they can say, hey, look, the judge gave him six games. We doubled it and got it to 12. Right. And you also have to remember, he didn't play it all last year. Right. I mean, he, he got paid, but he didn't play. Uh I think in large part, he wanted to be traded, right? Like that was like the whole thing. And then this, this popped up out of nowhere and it was like, yeah, well, you want to be traded. <laughs> You're going through this. We don't want any, we don't want you around type of thing with, with Houston. He gets uh, traded to, uh, to, to uh, Cleveland. And now you are sitting here to what hours before the first preseason game. And this thing still hasn't been settled. 
I feel like it's I feel like there will be news here very, very soon. Deadlines definitely spur action. Oh yeah, Andrew Brandt. In these right? settings. Well, I was gonna I say that to bring up something Andrew Brandt just tweeted. Oh God. Go ahead. He says, for those wondering why the Deshaun Watson appeal decision is taking so long, same reason why the discipline took so long in the first place. The arbitrators want to allow as much time as possible for the parties, Watson and the PA and then the NFL, to settle, eliminating a need to make a ruling. And with the game coming up tonight, which is not a regular season game, but he will be playing football on television. Did he Did he spurt? Did he throw? Uh, no. Oh, he didn't throw that out? No, there? he did not. No, yeah. I just said it. Okay, all right, because yeah. that's his thing. Uh, I know. Yeah. He's uh, friend of the show. Okay. Friend of the Bill Michael show. He comes on a lot and okay. talks about Rodgers and stuff. I just find it hilarious that he's still living off of that. He hasn't been in Green Bay since 2008, and he's still living off of it. No, but I, well, I really like his Twitter account. I think he has a very intelligent view on a lot of things that happen. He hasn't been in the NFL front office since 2008, and he's still telling stories about 2000, what, what the NFL front offices are like. It's a little bit of a, I like, again, I like him. This is not me hating on him whatsoever. I just find it funny that we're still looking for front office uh, insight from a guy who hasn't been in the front office since 2008. That's fair. And how much has the NFL changed since 2008, the front office? Probably pretty significantly. But he's got great insight into the whole Brett Favre situation and Aaron Rodgers and all that. Um, I just love when he posts the picture every year. Oh, of him signing Rodgers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That was back when the Life is Good t-shirts were, were hot, hot on the streets. Was it? Okay. Remember those? No, no, I don't. But in 2005? In that, that, in that, that era? Been, that I just remember my dad having a bunch of them. All right. So 2005 was when he signed his deal. So, yeah, probably. Yeah, around and, that And Aaron Rodgers still, was still wearing the, uh, the flavor saver? The what? The flavor saver. Oh, <laughs> the soul patch? On yeah. The, yeah, that's an interesting look. That happened. It did. That clearly before my time. Uh, going back to what Florio said yesterday, maybe this morning, but before this new update, uh, at some point, all of this, you know, proceedings is not about Deshaun Watson necessarily. It's about the next Deshaun Watson and about how it is always sending a clear message to any player accused of wrongdoing in the future that it's better to take the reckoning as early as possible, avoiding bad months. Uh, months of bad press and countless hours of work to prove something that a player should have admitted to having done. So that is also in play here where I'm sure all of this would have gone differently had Watson as soon as everything came out actually worked to, to rectify the situation and not just deny, deny, deny and still deny. Yes. Like like, do the day. Yes. Yeah. Right. Him saying that I'm going to, I'll accept eight games is him admitting that he did something wrong. Isn't it? Yeah, uh, or, or, it, or him just realizing that this it's his is path closest, to playing the soonest. Play. Yeah, I don't think it, or at least in his eyes, I don't think he's saying he didn't do any, or I don't think it's him saying he did anything wrong in his eyes because he just wants to find the way to play the soonest, and yeah. that would be settling or or finding, uh, resolving it, I guess, as That's right. quickly as possible. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. So there's that. The Browns are playing tonight against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 6 o'clock. You have Falcons-Lions. I like the Lions. Zach thinks I'm going to lose. Lions are... No, that's not true. I just think that your reasoning for the Lions, that that you like the Lions, is just because Dan Campbell brings a little bit more energy, and that's what the preseason's about. And I want them to win. There you go. 
right. want them to win this preseason game. That's fine. I accept that. I just don't accept the reasoning for it. You also have Cardinals Bengals at 630, Eagles Jets at 630, and then Packers 49ers 730 on NFL Network. The over-under uh, up to 35 and a half. Oof. It's gone from Keeps rising. 33, 33 and a half to 35, 35 and a half. I, I said I like the under. A lot of so, Jordan Love fans. Uh, or Trey Lance fans. Or questioners of the Packers backups and the 49ers backups on defense. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's one of those deals where it's the preseason. It's going to be pretty ugly. And in the second half with Danny Etling and whoever else in the game, I, I just cannot imagine a lot of points being scored. So the under there, the Lions to win. Uh, then Saturday, you have Chiefs, Bears, noon, NFL Network, Panthers, Commanders, Colts, Bills, 3 o'clock. That one's on NFL Network. Seahawks, Steelers, and then Dolphins, Bucks, Saints, Texans, Cowboys, Broncos, and Rams against the Chargers. Uh, some of the totals are literally 30. Which I <laughs> feels like Big Ten West season. Big Ten West football. I love it. Love it's it. beautiful. I, it and then Sunday, Vikings Raiders is the one. So there will be a lot on that as, as the days go by. Bill's back on Monday. We will talk all about how Jordan Love looks, all of the position battles. Mike Clemens will join us then as well to break it down. We're going to step away here, take a quick break. The final segment is coming up. We'll preview Brewers, Cardinals, and get you set for the weekend. To ben Kenny and Zach Heilprin in on the Bill Michael Show. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers kick off the preseason tonight against the 49ers at Levi Stadium. Kickoff at 7.30. Keep an eye out for Packers rookie receiver number 87, Romeo Dobbs, who will also return some kicks. Does he feel in sync with quarterback Jordan Love? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm really in sync with Jordan. Um, you know, it's the first preseason game. You know, I'm excited as well as all the other rookie receivers. It's Samori. It'll be, an, it'll be exciting, man. Love has only touched the field six times during a game with one start against the Chiefs. Are there some things he wants to work on tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think I have things that I want to improve on, you know, um, just from a quarterback perspective, things I've talked about, you know, that base, just having that rhythm. And I think when you get into a game, you kind of just want to be able to keep that same rhythm you have. You know, it's a little bit different in practice. You know, it might be a little slower, and then it's, it picks up a little bit in the game. So, you know, just trying to take what I've been doing in practice and just take it to the the game. The Packers and the 49ers have clashed several times in recent years. Green Bay with some success in the regular season, but twice San Francisco has sent them home in the playoffs. Is this a great matchup to evaluate players? Packers GM Brian Gutekunst. Absolutely. And I think, um, and those are so important. I mean, the difference between what you do out there in that practice field when, and then when the lights come on and there's no coach right behind you telling you what's coming uh, and being able to communicate and then and then perform at the same time. I mean, that's what this game is. And then the guys that make it in this league and play a long time at a high level, um, they're able to handle that environment and those atmospheres. So this is this will be the first and best test for us to really see how these guys. And then, you know, whether they have good performances or bad performances, it's, you know, it's what they learn from that and how they carry it over to practices in the next game. That's Brian Gutekinst. I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show.
Welcome back. Final segment. It is the Bill Michaels Show. Getting you ready for the weekend. A busy weekend in the sporting world in this state. We took Thursday off, so Friday we can get the two TVs ready for the first time this year. Football is back. The Packers and 49ers are at it 7.30 tonight. Packers plus 2.5 over under 35.5 in that ballgame. I would not bet it. Uh, if To be a responsible person, you do not bet preseason. However, I, I have brought up it's preseason for gamblers as well. Unless it's the Baltimore Ravens, in which case you bet them until they lose at this point. Which that will come again next week. I'll be sure to mention that to Bill yeah. when we're on next week. Me too. Uh, I, I need to get him to start asking for my best bets of the weekend because... <laughs> I mean, I like I am. I'm creating generational wealth in the golfing sphere. I haven't lost. You've literally said that's not going so well. No, but th- that's because I gave two and those lost. Okay, but if I go back for the last five months, I've won almost every weekend. And you've made a bunch of money off of this, right? Well, I put ten dollars on it. So no, then not no. A, not. A, but generational wealth. If people were to put a lot of I'm money, I'm creating on your generational bets. returns. Okay, based on percentages. Okay, there you go. All you right, know? cool. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yep, yep. Uh, there's that. The FedEx Cup playoffs are happening this weekend. I can't wait to watch. Scotty Scheffler is walking into the lines of Cam Smith's putts, which that's, is that's terrific a, content. Yeah, I just just looked at it now. It is that's pretty amazing. It's an interesting sport, isn't it? It is because I don't know what other sport you could do that in. Like, what's what's the equivalent of that in in another sport? Like, I, and it it's showing to, someone up in Major League Baseball, isn't it? Right? Is it like watching your home run? It's pimping a home run, but not even just a bat flip. It is to the point of blatant disrespect to the pitcher. Pointing the bat at the pitcher and then flipping it up and like staring at him as you're walking around, as you're walking the bases as opposed to running them. Probably yelling at him as you are walking the bases as well. Yeah, because like golf is like weird, like with some of the unwritten rules. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like tennis probably has some of those, those same rules, like you don't do certain things, but that's good for lack of a better term. Golf and tennis. Because they're individual sports, they're the most egotistical, ego-driven sport uh, ever created. Because it's all about you; it doesn't really matter about anybody. Else. Exactly, you're not on a, a, yet, a team team, and yet you still abide by the, you know, the unwritten rules of it for the most part. Unless one of your playing competitors sells out, goes to live, and is single-handedly ruining the sport of golf. Yeah. Again, I don't really care about that, but like it's it's one of those things where you just you don't see that a lot. You don't in golf. I think it's like the first time I've seen it. Like you could, like you would want to do that to your buddies at, uh, at the local golf course, right? Just to mess with them. Not really. And you wouldn't even do it though. Right? No, no, you wouldn't. Never. No, I would because I don't take golf that seriously. Like if, if I had been at the golf event last week and you know, you were trying to line up your putt, I would have walked right across for, we would have been on the same team. So that would have created problems. Well, then I would have done it to Nelson. Or Evo. I would have done it. Yeah. And I don't know if they would have had an issue with you with, with it, but yeah, of course I would do it. That's yeah. it. It's a it's trash talk. I would have a big issue, but that's neither here nor there. If your teammate did that to somebody else? No, if someone did it to me. Okay. All right. Can't do that. Okay. Uh the Brewers are also playing tonight. Half game back of the Cardinals, one back of San Diego. Eric Lauer, Jordan Montgomery on the mound. Lauer three point five nine ERA. Montgomery three point five three. Cardinals acquired him from the Yankees at the trade deadline. He is a lefty. So probably a Mike Barrasso sighting in the lineup tonight. No lineups out yet, but uh, lefties, not the Brewers bread and butter. So we'll see what they can do against Montgomery. 
Uh, the Cardinals, in terms of experience off Lauer, 17 at-bats for Arenado. He's hitting 300. The rest have not had much success, really. Albert Pujols is two for five, a small sample size. Brewers' side of it, Hunter Renfro, Mike Brasso have all hit Jordan Montgomery well. So if you're looking for impact guys, I would look at Brasso and Renfro specifically. Brewers plus 145 tonight, Cardinals minus 170. So big-time favorites. And then you get Burns, 245 ERA versus Wainwright, 342 on Saturday. Ashby against Michaelis on Sunday. So, Zach, when we when we all reconvene on Monday, we obviously won't be doing this show. What what do you think the headlines are for both uh, first for the Packers, but then also for the Brewers and then for my weekend watching golf? Jordan, <laughs> you can forget the last one. Jordan Love, I, th- I think Jordan Love's the the overwhelming story coming out of it. I think he plays well. I think he leads a couple scoring drives, and we see. I don't know what the jump that Aaron Rodgers showed in his third year of the preseason, or even you know his play in his third year. I don't know if we're going to see that. Um, because I think, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers was playing with starters a little bit, uh, you know, in his third year. And that won't be the case tonight for the most part. But I think Jordan Love's improvement is the headline. And come, and for the Brewers, I think the headline is, you know, you, you, they lost two or three. Momentum still, uh, since the trade deadline, still not going the right way. Yet, I don't think it's season ending by any stretch. And uh, your golf, uh, couldn't care less. Yeah, I, I figured. I hope it goes horribly. I hope your golf game goes horribly on the on the when you go out and, and golf this weekend. Thank you. And uh, I just hope that you're you're able to make it back on Monday. Um, that might be in question if it goes a, a certain level of poorly. You you play a lot. Would you say you play a lot? I play a good amount. Why? Not a lot. I've been working a lot recently. Haven't played much. I was listening to somebody like in terms of playing golf. If you practice and you do it a lot and you still suck, why? Because it is as long as you have like hand eye coordination. Why? Because it is a an unattainable goal to get good. There are not there's not a specific level I want to reach. I just want to get better. Were you the best person on the course last week, last Friday on the course in general? Yeah. Oh, no, not even close. Okay. I was horrible. Okay. I mean, I made every putt, but aside from that, I was horrible. Okay. I I heard you like a like a like a 10 something like 10 feet off the tee against uh coming off the tee at one point yeah stone topped one okay no i i i i'm in a tough spot i have the yips off the tee why i'm not hitting the ball because i'm a mental midget (laughs) if i'm being completely honest uh i talk myself into failure owning the hell out of that when i play golf but the answer is why it's because it is i it brings out the competitor when it goes well there's not a better feeling in the world and it's it's an unattainable goal to get better so you try to reach it, and it's it's something to set your mind to. It's great. Yeah, but it doesn't sound like your mind's at a good place for that. Like if you're calling yourself a mental midget and saying that you have Joel Stavis, like that's that's tough. Yeah, I had a bad that's, day. But that's tough to even like. How do you get over that? Yeah, but how? What like, do you, you do? This is the way you talk yourself into this. You're never going to get out of it if this is the way you're talking about yourself. Until this weekend, when I light it up, I'm confident about how I'm going to play this weekend. Okay. I haven't touched a club in the last week. Sometimes that's the key. You literally said that you have the yips. I do. Off the tee. Yeah. Okay. And that's just going to go away. Just usually that's a mental thing. Swing through it. It's not usually a mental thing. No, you can pitch through the yips or eventually Mm. one time you throw it and it clicks again. Okay. Or at least that's how I view it. Sometimes it doesn't. Whatever. Uh, You may may never hit another good uh, shot off the tee. I just know that's not true. 
I have I a couple good ones mixed in with the bad. I don't know, man. Sometimes. Sounds like it's just a really tough scene. It is a tough scene, but I will be playing because <laughs> you can't stop. Once you start, you can't stop. All right. It's not true. That's going to do it for us. Big weekend of sports ahead. I hope everybody enjoys it. Get outside. Play some golf. Zach and I uh, will be back. Kenny and Heilprin coming up next Thursday. The Badger Talk returns. Bill is back on Monday. I will talk to you again in two hours on the Wisco Sports Show. Parting words. Zachary. See ya. That's it. Uh, Thanks for hanging around, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. See ya. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.